it does hurt going back to Orlando and the same people that cheer for me and that wanted my autograph and now they're like, we hate you, you suck, you're a bum. And I'm like, how could you sit up here and have so much hate in your heart for somebody that basically laid it all on the line right. for eight years? Welcome to the first episode of Go Off With Me, your host, Austin Rivers, presented by Uninterrupted. Sorry for the delay. I know it's taken some time. I am obviously, as you guys know, I just got traded here to D.C. I'm trying to adjust off the court, on the court here uh, with this team and in this city. I am loving D.C. It's been a great transition. And again, the NBA season is tricky, but we're going to try to have an episode every two weeks. Again, this isn't my first priority, obviously, that being my family and basketball. But uh, we're going to do our best to get this out there for you guys so you guys can have something to listen to. Personally, why I wanted to do a podcast, I've always been a gym rat and a guy who likes to be in the gym and a guy who likes to just talk about basketball. I've always been one of those guys who will stay in the locker room or in the training room for two hours after practice sometimes just talking basketball and having some of the realest conversations with athletes about on-the-court stuff, off-the-court stuff. And I've always thought to myself, man, like, I listen to the stuff on the radio, I listen to the stuff, I watch the stuff on TV of these guys who have never ever played in an NBA uniform in a a game. I watch guys get paid millions of dollars on ESPN, and no disrespect, they do an unbelievable job at what they do, um, but they've never played basketball before. And we're sitting here every day having these conversations, I have these real conversations with these athletes. I know fans would much rather hear our opinions and the content that I have. And I, I just thought it would be pretty cool to relate to you guys. And this is why I wanted to do this podcast. But this is this is fun, man. And I hope you guys enjoy it. And you guys are going to be along for the ride as I get better. Before we get into our guest and our special guest, make sure you guys do subscribe and rate this show five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you do listen to this podcast. Also, share this show on Twitter with hashtag go off. If you tag me at AustinRivers25 and at Uninterrupted, we will retweet. So please share with your friends, your family. Uh, so we can get this thing popping, man, and get this podcast blowing up so we can have more viewers, more listeners, and uh, get this podcast to the level that we want it to be at. So coming up on this episode, we're about to go off with one of the best big men of this generation and my generation and my current teammate, Dwight Howard, man. Let's get it going. Let's, let's go off real quick. What's up, Dwight? What up, A? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to talk about what, when is the first time we met? Because it has to be when you played in Orlando and I was in high school. I think I met you. Yeah, I'm trying to remember because you were, you're way younger than me, but you're really not younger than that much younger. How old are you? I'm 32. Bro, yeah, I'm, not, I'm actually not. I'm 26. See? It feels crazy. like he's like twelve. You in the league? I've been in the league for fifteen years. Yeah, that's crazy. I feel like I've seen Austin grow up, <laughs> <laughs> and it's crazy. Like I said, it's like Austin. It's Austin is like how a lot of people from the '80s said they saw Michael Jackson grow up. I saw Austin <laughs> Rivers grow up, man. I can say that. Oh my god, <laughs> man! I think the first time I met you was at Rollins College. Oh yes. Um, you were sh- practicing your free throws, and I was up there. That's where I used to work out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My I question is, why, why, why were you at Rollins? Well, there's two reasons why I was at Rollins. I was fairly young, and I was around the age of the college girls, so <laughs> I thought by going to the gym, I can get a chance to, uh, you know, show show off my cars and my muscles <laughs> to people that's my age. <laughs> Did it work? 
It didn't work. It didn't work. It didn't work. Okay. They were like. Yeah, Rollins nah. definitely has that scene for sure. I actually just kind of want to get right into this, to be completely honest. Uh, my first question for you, honestly, <clears throat> would be, what was it about the Wizards that made this situation for you where you wanted to come here? You know what I mean? Because people on the outside looking in think of the Wizards sometimes, oh, they have to have this right, their chemistry, all these things. What was it about you, a guy who's no stranger to being in a situation where there's been controversy and you've been through mm-hmm. great teams, bad teams, good situations, bad situations. What was it about the Wizards that you were like, you know, this is where I want to be at? Well, uh, I just looked at the roster um, from top to bottom. First, I started with the guys who started uh, with John, Brad, uh, Markeith, and Otto. I said, man, those four guys are very similar to the team that I had in Orlando. Oh, wow. Uh, except you have a guy like John Wall who's like a bigger Jameer, you know, who can score the basketball right. but also pass very well. And then you got a guy like Bradley Bill, and I, I kind of looked at him as a more athletic J.J. Redick right. who can shoot the ball, get to the paint, and create shots for himself and for other people. So I was like, man, with those two guys alone, you know, that'll be, that'll be a re- really good. And then I started looking at the guys coming off the bench, yourself, Kelly Oubre, at the time, Jody, uh, Meeks. And then I was looking at the four men. I was like, man, this is like a perfect team. You know, we got a mixture of young guys and older guys who played in the league for a right. while. And, you know, we look like a team that can really be successful. And I said, man, I think that that would be a perfect fit for me to come in and be who I am and just play basketball and try to personally change the narrative of what people have tried to put on me since, you know, I left Orlando. Right. We, we definitely going to get into that because I, I feel like that for sure needs to be addressed and cleared because I was going to say just what has the locker room been like here since you've been here? Oh, man. Uh, to me, you know, I feel like the locker room has been great. A lot, a lot better than what you – I can speak I mean, on it too. I mean, we both came here. We're new here. Yeah. The narrative here was that everything was kind of fucked up. It was, but I didn't see it like that. And then you come here, it's like, like it's not that bad. Like it's not bad at all. It's no different than any other team. It's just when you lose, it gives the media and everybody a reason to really just try to, to start yeah, poking to holes into it. To dive into a situation. So I, I saw that, but when I came here, you know, I didn't get that sense from anybody. You right. know, I just knew that they always say the cure for winning for everything is winning right but sometimes when you lose you get you know you get a chance to see everything that's going on so it's basically you pulling the rug out from underneath everybody's feet and you get a chance to really see the foundation and you know i think now we're developing this foundation of communication and trust with the mixture of the guys who came in like a jeff green myself you guys that aren't afraid of conflict, aren't afraid of, of constructive criticism, aren't afraid of saying what they feel, right? which will in turn get a lot of people on the team to say, you know what, this is what we need to shift gears. We need people who are not afraid to speak up and speak out and say what's on their mind and their heart. And all teams need that. Right. And my thing was, if you watch, like, for instance, a couple of nights ago we watched Draymond Green and – Kevin Durant get into it, right? Correct. But because they're a winning team, it's looked at as as bad. Oh, uh, you know, it's you know, it's 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 it happens. Right, it happens. They're gonna yeah. get over it. But if the losing team does it, it's, it's, it's like, a fucked up culture. Them. Look yeah, at yeah. you know, it's these guys don't know how to win. They're arguing. At the end of the day, we're all professionals. Like, dude, I, dudes is gonna yeah, argue. I, I've seen that. You know, I've been a part of it. You know, especially in L.A. Right. You know, there were times where 
I remember me and Steve Nash got into it, and it was just a communication issue. You know, as a big, I was telling Steve Nash, you know, hey, throw the ball to the rim because it's easier for me to get it. And he said, well, he couldn't because somebody was <laughs> in the way. And it just looked bad on TV. But then once you really see what's going on, it's say, like, oh, it's really not that bad. But, you know, then you have people in the media who would then flip what they see into something negative, you know. So if we were winning when I was in L.A., it would have been, oh, they're just working out kinks. You know, they're just trying to figure out where they should get the ball and stuff like that. But when you lose, it's like, see, look, this guy can't even take Steve Nash, you know, getting on him. So, you know, I, I totally understand <laughs> it. And now I'm at a place where it's like, man, I, I see how I could be effective on and off the court with this team but also change the narrative of how people have viewed me based off no evidence but uh, somebody's opinion. Right. Well, that's L.A. Well, I love L.A. We both do. Obviously, living there, but it will do that to you. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. First off, I'm trying to get over the fact that you argue with Steve Nash. This, this is why the age gap's not there, but the career gap in terms of how long, how much longer he's been in the league. Like, <laughs> Steve Nash, bro. Like, that's, I grew up, like, looking at him, like, as a, you know what I mean? Like, this guy was in practice arguing or, like, competing yeah. against Steve Nash and Kobe Bryant. And I'm sitting, I mean, yeah, anyways, I'm just in my all right now. In your eyes, and I think in the eyes of many fans, you kind of went from being Superman to being a villain. Um, mm -hmm. For whatever reason that transpired, it transpired first when you left Orlando. Correct. For whatever reason, Orlando felt a certain way about that after you gave him a lot of years there. I'm an Orlando guy. I'm from Orlando. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wear Orlando in my heart. I was very disappointed the other night when they booed you. I thought that was really just disappointing because you did so much. I could just speak from a high school kid, a kid grew, growing up, and how fun the Orlando Magic games used to be versus how it's now. Mm -hmm. I think it was just disappointing to see, like, I think everybody, you, you know, everybody in here can agree with me, like, like, really? Like, this guy had some, Orlando Magic's best years as a, as a, I mean, it was Shaq, and then it was Dwight. That was the era. You know what I mean? And it's like, Shaq comes back in his love. You know what I mean? And Dwight comes back, and they're still booing years later. And this guy yeah. gave everything, played through back injuries. I mean, guy played hurt. You played hurt for I played hurt. year after year. They went to the finals against Kobe Bryant, against that team, still competed uh, year after year. And that's when the East was loaded. They had to go through Boston, Boston Detroit, Cleveland, Cleveland, Detroit. You know what I mean? It was just a whole. I, I just thought it was kind of disappointing to see. But why do you feel that has transpired from you being like you were like the most liked? guy in the league to being a guy that people sometimes view as a way of the bad guy. I just think it's a misunderstanding for one. You know, a lot of people don't really understand what goes on on the the business side of basketball. You know, they see what's in the media. They see what's being said on TV and what they read. Uh, but me being on Orlando, one thing I would always tell people that it had nothing to do with the city or the fans. You know, it was a business and a life decision. I feel like my time in Orlando, I was very comfortable. You know, I had everything I wanted. I felt like everything was too easy and I needed a challenge for myself. Right. And it had nothing to do with the team. It had nothing to do with the players. I just wanted more for myself because I expect the best out of myself in every situation. It does hurt going back to Orlando and the same people that cheered for me and that wanted my autograph and that wanted who was out with appearances with me telling me they love me and now they're like, we hate you, you suck, you're a bum. 
uh, you should never left. That's why you hurt your back. And I'm like, how could you sit up there and have so much hate in your heart for somebody that basically laid it all on the line right. for eight years? Yeah, man, that was hard to see, man. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. It, it was hard to see, bro. I've been a part of teams and been to games where I've seen the other guy get booed. We've all watched that happen with players when they've left places. That happened to guys. But mm-hmm. when it's been with the guys who have been there a certain amount of time, like if you were there for three or four years and then dipped, then I could see, yeah, right? Yeah. But you gave like a lot. And a lot of effort. I grew up energy. in Orlando. Right. Just like I said, I saw you grow up. A lot of those people saw me grow up right. in Orlando. You were 18 when you got drafted? I was 18. Yeah, man, that's crazy. And that's, you know, that's, yeah. that's what was disappointing for me. Yeah, it's it like Y'all saw the 18-year-old kid here grow up, have his best years in the league there because he was there for a long time, had a hell of a career, defensive player of the year. This is the guy you're booing? And I, I took it personal because I'm from Orlando, and those are my people too. You know what I mean? Like, I thought they would be like, Dwight, good to have you back. We miss you. Dwight, we wish you never left. That should be the conversation. Yeah, like, it's, it's even to the point where, like, when I watch, like, the intro videos for them or anytime they do a video online, it's like they keep me out of it. Like, right. I never did anything for the city or the team. And it's, it's kind of, like, disrespectful because I never disrespected the organization enough to ever put whatever happened on the inside all the stories that I was told, I never put that stuff out there because I would never want the fans of Orlando to ever not support that team. Whoever supported the Magic team, I always wanted them to have that same love and respect for that team and not ever know what, what happens on the business side. Right. You know, So it was like, just to see like when they show the intro of the game, they'll show all my teammates, they'll show plays that happened and I was re- literally there and I'm like, dang, they just tried to act like I never existed on this team. Right, right. I think they took it personal. And I think that's what you can't do because they don't take it personal when they cut guys or trade guys. And we've and this is this has been a dynamic that's changed in the NBA really since LeBron left Cleveland to mm-hmm. Miami and then KD. It's now becoming where I think fans are starting to open up to the idea like, okay, I think we get it now. You were just before that time where I was. fans I was in started to realize, like, okay, it is a business, and they do y'all wrong, so why, why can't these guys go do what they want to do to be happy? You were, like, part of that era where, like, Vince Carter got booed when he went back to Toronto. Oh, T-Mac, yeah. got, T-Mac got booed when he came back to, to uh, you know, everything Vince Carter did for Toronto, they booed him. You know what I mean? Everything Tracy McGrady did for Orlando, they booed him. I could go, the list is long. I mean, there's a lot, lot of guys. They yeah. were, you guys were all before that era of when, things change because if there's four guys that I can name right now that should be engraved in like Orlando's basketball magic hall of fame is T-Mac, Shaq, Dwight, and Penny. Correct. You, you guys are the four guys who did the most in terms of, am I missing somebody? I'm not missing anybody. It's you four, no, right? No, if you could throw in Nick Anderson. You can throw in Nick Anderson because he was the first person picked. Dennis Scott. Or Dennis, Dennis Scott, Scott was an Orlando magic three. legend. But if you're talking about four guys that changed the culture of Maybe you Orlando. Guys four, though. As far as being like the burden of being a superstar every night, only you four knew that, though. You yeah. know what I mean? And um, it was it, like people don't understand, man. Like we went to the finals. Right. We, I remember I went we to those did, games. <laughs> it was so much like I remember watching me, like, it, just, it just hurt so bad because I literally blood, sweat, and tears like. Every night in the playoffs, I would go home crying because I'm like, man, I want to win for this city. I want right. to win for myself. And then to turn around and I'm coming to a game. And, you know, I get it. You know, 
people saying, well, you shouldn't have never left. You know, this happened since you left. You ain't had this, that, and the third. And, and it's like on the business side, I don't think people understand. It's all about opportunity. In Orlando, I had so many opportunities to do what I needed, you know, to win. You know, I went from a team where I was the option. Right. And then we had, you know, other guys like Hito, Rashad, Jameer. We had a complete team. And then I went from that to a team with Kobe Bryant where Kobe is the first and second option. Then you got me, pal. <laughs> you got me, pal, Steve Nash, Antoine Jameson. How was that adjustment? And I, I want to ask you this too just because I'm watching what Melo's going through right now mm-hmm. and I feel bad because, like, people tend to shit on this dude so much and like forget like what Melo's done for the culture of basketball like Melo was one of my favorite players growing up he's one of the mm-hmm. best offensive weapons in the league he's had a hell of a career hall of fame I'll say this most of social media is a bunch of idiots who don't know anything about basketball half of them are like 12 year old 13 year old kids who don't even <laughs> remember watching Melo in his prime who are the ones commenting hall of fame this guy sucks like you're an idiot you never yeah. watched him play yeah. but like seeing him <laughs> try to fit in like how does that I, I always wonder because listen I, I i think my myself as a was a pretty damn good player but i never was a the star, superstar star, yeah. i never was the guy that the whole team was built around mm-hmm. how do you guys go from being that guy to being like in a matter of a couple of years having to adjust your mindset of being like i have to be a little bit more team oriented in terms of like i'm not the superstar anymore like how does that how does that it's, it's tough because, you know, in your mind, you know you can still do certain things, but then you realize, like, so for me, playing with Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol and Steve Nash is like, okay, I got to understand now that, you know, this guy has to get his certain amount of shots. I'm going to still need my shots, but I got to find other ways to be assertive in the game. And it's very tough when you go from being the man for so long. Right. Like, me and Melo – Basically, almost in this, we're in the same position to where, you know, people want to say, well, we, both of us are not the same type of players, but we've never been in the same situation that we was in in our early years with our first couple teams. And then I go from playing with a guy like Kobe Bryant, who shot the ball a lot, to a guy like James Harden, who definitely has to have the ball in his hands to get his shots off. And he was, he was a star in the making when I got to the team. So right, it was right, like, right. man, now I'm dealing with somebody who's on his way up and I'm trying to get to my prime, get my prime numbers and years back while this guy's trying to go up. And I think with me and him, it was just a, a communication fall off. You know so what I'm saying? looking back on your career, mm-hmm. what was your, I would say your best decision? And I guess I say this because of what you just talked about. If you could go back and change anything, would you and what decision was like your worst decision? You're like I shouldn't never made that decision. Well, I would say the worst decision I probably made was to uh, sign back to the Magic um, and then ask and then uh, get traded at the end of the year. Basically, I signed over my rights before the trade deadline, and by me doing that, the team could have did whatever they wanted to do with me at that point. Right. And I made decisions back then based off my emotions. If I was to tell my younger self then, you know, what I know now, I'd say, hey, listen, man, you got to do what's best for you, but you can't do it off of emotional. You can't do it being emotional. You got to really think rational before you make a decision. And by me coming in at 18, it's something that I, I would never know because I never dealt with a situation like this where you got millions of fans begging you to stay. You got millions of fans telling you to come to this team. Right. You got 
the media saying one thing and putting you against this player or this coach. So it's a whole bunch of stuff going on. And, you know, I would regret just not basically coming out and speaking my mind, you know, let people know like, yo, like, even though all this stuff is going on, it's not going to stop me from getting in the gym. It's not going to st ever stop me from working. Right. I know this is being said about me, but that was a big deal, though. That, that whole process, you were one of the original trade sagas. You know what I mean? It was like, the worst was, in the it world. It was a like, long and situation. And I hated it because right. half the stuff that was going on, I didn't even know about it. Right, right, So right. I'll wake up. It was above and, your head. Yeah, some people be like, yo, Dwight. Why you say this? I'm like, yo, I never said that. Right, 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 right. But then once it gets out there, then right, social everybody's media, everybody's right, like, right. he said this is like now. I know that all too well. It's like now <laughs> somebody can put a quote on uh, Instagram and say Dwight Howard, and it could be a quote I never said. Yeah, but, but because perception's it, everything though. So yeah, once it's so out there, it, people think you said it though. Yeah, right. and it's the craziest thing in the world. But overall, man, I've been blessed to play this game for this will be my 15th. This is my 15th year. Wow. I never thought 15 years. I never thought I'd be playing the NBA basketball and for doing it for 15 years and it's amazing. I'm still young. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, man, I'm going to continue to get better, continue to keep my body the way it is cuz I know that yeah, one day it's going to end. Yeah, and you still got a lot left though. Especially the Correct. the way the game's changed in terms of what a big man has to do now to get paid a lot of money. Correct. It's if you way rebound, different. pick Roll, defend, you get $90 million. You get $100 million. Seriously, though. I mean, Easy. It's, I'm not saying it's simple to do. I'm just saying, like, it's yeah. a guards league. It's a three-pointer shooting league. That's why all these bigs are shooting threes now. If you could <laughs> if you could be like, like Clint Capella, he picks, he rolls, he's a great finisher around the rim, he just contests shots. $90 million. You know what I mean? Like, that's what guys look for. DeAndre Jordan's a max player every year. Like, these guys aren't like his era where you have to throw it on the block and have some shit down there in the post. Like, yeah. that era's done. Because you know that's what, I, mean? what I was banking on. Like, okay, I, in order for me to get another contract, a big contract, I need to score more. But then, like, I'm looking at these guys now that play the big man position. Is so you got Embiid who scores. You got Carl Anthony Towns who scores. That's it. Man, that's basically DeMarcus it. Cousins. And Demarcus Cousins. Those three. But then those guys, besides Embiid and Carl Anthony, are getting big contracts. The guys that are getting big contracts are the guys that are just picking and rolling right, right, right. and catching lobs and contesting shots. And it's like, what? This is backwards to me. But it's how the game is going. Right, and I think evolved. one day it's going to go back the other way. For sure. I think everything's a circle. It is. Guys, we're tight jeans now. In a couple of years, we're going to be wearing a baggy again, bro. I don't know about that. I think everybody Oh, they'll gonna, come back. Uh, think about this. Go look at your rookie picks, right? My if you could tell yourself in 15 years from now, this is how tight your clothes are going to be, you'd be like, hell no. I would never wear it. You know what I'm saying? No lie. You ever look back I, at your old fits like, like, what the, was that? I don't like the baggy look, the baggy fit no more. Do I? I hate it. If you go back and look at your rookie picks. It was terrible. Bro, the clothes, I know I looked this shit up, bro. It was the, horrible. Some of the shit that you had on to the game, like you would never, ever but be But that's also the that dress today. code. The dress code back then, we could wear tank tops to the game. But let's talk about how y'all used to wear y'all jeans. Yes, the big, nasty, baggy jeans. Yes, man. I won't be able to do it no more. I hate baggy jeans. I don't want them too tight. Like, if some guys, they jeans be so tight, you can see they put, put the, the, the tendons. You can see the MCLs. <laughs> you can see the veins in their thighs. You can see how much money they got in their pocket. Yeah, look at that. 
Like, yeah, but see, that wasn't that bad. Look at that suit, man. That's a big old suit, though. I got nine. That's not too bad, though. That's actually not that bad. You just got yeah, way LeBron, too many buttons. LeBron's buttons. suit was crazy. Yeah, LeBron had the white suit. LeBron had a crazy was... suit, all white, but it was big. He thought he was a uh, Al Capone brother or something. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. What was your welcome to the league moment? They all going to say the Kobe Bryant dunk. I kind of hate it because every couple weeks they want to repost a picture of Kobe dunking on me. And it's like, bro, Kobe, I'm not the only person he's ever dunked on. He's dunked on everybody, I think. So it's like, why am I the only person you want to pick on? Because it was teammates. Like, it really don't bother me. But every day somebody's like, never forget Mamba mentality. I'm like, he wasn't even saying that back then. There was no Mamba mentality. He wasn't even the Mamba. <laughs> he was just Kobe Bryant. So, like, who cares? He dunked on me 14 years ago. Like, okay, like, shit, I dunked on my son. He's not going to care in 10 years because he's going to be like, Dad, I'm going to dunk on you. Like, right, right, it's, right. A, it's, it's okay. Like, people get dunked on. People get their shot blocked. But it's like the era that we live in now. Well, social media is undefeated, bro. It's undefeated. I like, mean, it's to the point win. now where if you do anything, Terrible. if you do anything, for instance, like, people forget J.R. Smith has had a pretty – Decent Solid career, career. Yeah. six man of the year, had some unbelievable years in Denver and in New York, and to this era, all his name is always brought up with Henny, and mm-hmm. being high, and, and 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 obviously everybody's talking about the Cliv- the Cleveland instant in the in the finals where he messed up and didn't know the clock situation, whatever. Like, and so they just make fun of him, not realizing that this guy's actually had a hell of a career, a hell of like a, a pro- career. like a prolific score, a long career, bro. Like he's made a lot of money, provided for his family. Won a championship, too. Was a huge part of that. Great scoring off the bench, but this is what you're known for. Because all it takes is one mistake. You know what I mean? That's just the sad part of what this era is. Uh, It's very unfortunate, but Mm -hmm. I guess it is what it is. Last couple questions for you. What players did you look up to growing up, and who was your favorite teammate of all time? Growing up, I didn't have a chance to look at basketball. I didn't have TVs and stuff like that, which is crazy because it was only like in the 90s. But it's like I'm saying like it's in the 70s or something. But, you know, I wasn't fortunate enough to have cable TV where I was able to watch basketball games. So I just went outside and played all day. And back back then, Magic Johnson, before he had the better basketball tapes, he had another type of VHS tape of him teaching people how to play basketball. And I would look at that every day, and I wanted to be a 6'10 point guard. And then uh, my favorite player was Wilt Chamberlain. Um, And it wasn't because I actually had a chance to see him play. It was because I had a toy that used to always say Wilt Chamberlain. So it made me look (laughs) up Wilt Chamberlain when I got older. And I was like, man, I really love this dude because he's tall, he's fast, he can run, jump. 10,000. The the numbers for sex is a lie. (laughs) But it's just incredible with all the stuff he did, man. Nah, yeah, shout out to Wilt. And Wilt he was great, man. he was literally like my favorite person. Like right. when I lived in LA, I lived two houses down from where his house was, and I just for real. Yeah, every day I would look That's at his house. That's actually pretty dope, bro. Every I heard day, his house yeah. has like the whole like vibe in there, though. Like yeah, his house. So his house has this his roof in this room that opens up at night, and you can see the stars and. And I can tell you from yeah. where I lived at, because I lived in Prince's house when I lived in L.A. You lived in Prince's house? Yeah, so he actually named the album after the house that we both lived in. 
uh, which is thirty one twenty one. This is actually great. Con- I mean, like, yeah, it's crazy. You lived it was, in Prince's house. I lived bro? in Prince Prince house, and I stayed next to Mariah Carey and Nick Cannon. They were my neighbors. Jesus so it Christ. was me, Nick Cannon, this is just Mariah Carey, and Will Chamberlain. So every day that I got up, I would go look at Will Chamberlain's house. And you know, just say, man, my favorite player lived right. That's got to be pretty cool, man. To have a toy that says his name, not knowing he, who he is, find yeah. out who he is, look up to him, and then years down the line, you're in a mansion in Los Angeles, right across the street from Will. Yes, Chandler. it was like, crazy. He was my literally like, I kid you not. One of my I wanted to get a, right my there, one of my first tattoos that I wanted to get was of Will Chamberlain. I, he died before I got a chance to meet him. And I recall meeting somebody who said there was his daughter. And I was so geeked when I met her that I asked for her autograph. I went to Google and looked up pictures of Will Chamberlain and I would put it up to her face and be like, okay, I see the nose, I see the ears. You're really Will Chamberlain's daughter. Like I was so geeked because he was just like, he was like my all time favorite. Like if any other person I would meet and I wouldn't be excited for, but if I met him, I would probably like yeah, man, shout bust out, out to, of tears. Uh, to Will Chamberlain, man. May he rest in peace. One of the all-time greats. Um, that is a hell of a story about living in Prince's home, and that 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 is pretty cool. That is, <laughs> I never heard this before. Have you ever told somebody this? I, a couple of people. Okay, but, okay. Yeah. I was gonna say well, you heard it here first, but <laughs> still, it's all good though. Last question, man. As far as people obviously know everything on the court, uh, but I always like to get a guy from your perspective, someone who's made as much money as you has been in the league as long as you invested had businesses you have a production company that's making movies now which is on a whole nother level who has helped you start this stuff up who's helped you early in your career with your off the court lifestyle and what were your early struggles that you had to try to manage through oh well man that's i would say that's the toughest thing because i've had a lot of people in my life you know from cousins to best friends to you know, people that I met along the way from growing up who were very important to me. And I would say for any young person that wants to be or do something in life, go out and do it. You know, my problem when I was younger was I would always ask people for help and asking them to do stuff for me instead of doing it for myself. And a lot of things never got done. And until I started to say, you know what, I'm just going to go do it on my own. I'm going to be the person that wakes up and and works on my production company and work that's working on my, I have a farm as well. You know, all the stuff that you I have wanted. a farm? I do have a farm, it's 756 acres. Goodness gracious. Man. I got uh, over 800,000 vegetables. You, what do you grow on the, oh, you grow vegetables? I have, I have vegetables, fruits, I, I have watermelon, I have. Now is this for production, do you do this to sell these or this? Yes, yes. Obviously something that so, big you'd have yeah, to carry. Yeah, I have like, I have like 90 awesome. cows. I have donkeys, I have turkeys. I got a full-fledged farm, you know what I'm saying? And these are all the things that I've always wanted to do, but instead of just doing them, I would just ask people, what do you think about it, and get their opinions. And like who, I, like businessmen or like yeah, people, just like older people players? Yeah, just like people in general, they're saying, no, nah, don't do that, you should do this. And it'll be what they wanted. Right, like and open I'm a like, club or like yeah, just, or, or yeah, a restaurant. Yeah, get a club, get a restaurant, start a music uh, label label, and right. all this stuff. And I'm like, this is not what I like. Like, I love acting. I love doing funny stuff. I love animals. So let me do two things that I really enjoy. Right, that's pretty dope, though. That's, that's why I'm doing this, man. This is why I do my podcast, bro. I, I like speaking with people. I like talking to people. 
You uh, can make this show into like, um, we could do it together and it'll be like the Howard, what's the guy? Howard, Howard Stern. Stern. Yeah, it could be the Howard River show. But see, but then if, uh, if we do this, Howard. you're gonna be Howard Stern and I'm gonna be the, the little person in the corner, bro. See, oh, that's, that's, well, now no, it's not my show anymore. That. Now it's not, I'm gonna go off. It's, no, now it's, I'm gonna well, be off. I'm gonna be off well, the I side. was just saying, you, you, you can have your own show and I'll be like a special guest that will come every. You can't be, see, uh, you can't be the special guest, Dwight. No, yeah, it has okay. to be, we can get TD on here. Shout out to TD. TD can be my host. Dwight uh, Howard can't be my host because then it's not long, it's no longer my podcast. You're right. Stick uh, to your farm shit. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, I can come in your farms and take. You can come to the farm and get as many vegetables as you want. This is in Atlanta? This is in Georgia. This I is have, in Georgia. I have, I have two. I have on my property where I live, I have 23 acres there. And I do farming there. Well, I do gardening as well. I have. He has a movie production and he has a farm. I have a full fledged rose fledged garden. Full fledged farm. My bad. I'm sorry. I, have a, I also have a full fledged rose garden at my house. You know what? Matter of fact, I wanna, I'm glad you said this because you posted a picture, dog, of you walking into your house. And it does not look like With a my house, dog. Bro. It looks like a fucking resort, bro. <laughs> have you seen his house in Atlanta? It's not even realistic, bro. How many. How, how, how big is that? It's uh, 40,000 square feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I got a full lake in the back. He said, yes. I got a lake in the back. <laughs> 40,000 square feet, man. Oh, my goodness. With the farm. <laughs> it's really just. Prince's house. This has been. I mean, man. one day, if you want to find out more stories, I love to talk. I got a lot of stories. Yeah, we're going to have to get you back on here eventually, man. This this, has been, this has been amazing, bro. I appreciate you coming on here. Thank you, Dwight Howard, uh, for yes, coming sir. in and, and stopping by the I'm a Go Off podcast with me, brother. Wow. We're going to have a great year, man. I watched Austin Rivers grow up, and he's grown up into a, a nice young man. I'm proud of you, brother. <laughs> Appreciate it, bro. Thank you, man. Thanks for coming on, G. Yes, Thank sir. you, man. You know it's a process to get these guys in here, man. But not I'm, me. I'm, I'm, you just had not, not, not. Dwight, you've actually been really cool, man. This is why I wanted this segment, a lot of it, to be about proving that stuff wrong. Because everything that you've heard, I, I, I can only speak on my experience that I've heard about him, has been wrong. Like, it's been all wrong. Like, he's the most approachable dude, nice dude. You know what I mean? Like, uh, shit, again, man, I appreciate you, man. Thank and I don't you do on. nothing. People always say I do stuff. I just go home, lay in the bed, <laughs> watch film, come to practice. Go on your farm. Have laugh. you been in every room in that house? Yeah. I wanted like a 12,000 square foot. Like, a, that's, that my house was like, that, that was my idea of like a crazy... 40,000 square feet is, like, not even manageable, bro. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, I appreciate it again, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you for everybody for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming by, G. <laughs> Once again, man, thank you, Dwight, for coming in. Really do appreciate it. Shout out to Dwight Howard for joining me on the full episode of Go Off. Just want to thank everybody for listening, too. This is new for me, just getting it started. But I promise we're going to have a lot more content. I'm, I'm trying to get better as each episode goes on. Please remember to subscribe and rate the show five stars also share this on twitter with your friends your family so we can get this jump and get this blowing up um i want this to be a pretty good podcast and i think hopefully from what you guys can see and hear is that we're going to talk about real topics and i'm not going to do the political vague ass interview where i ask them you know i tee them up questions for them to home run i want to really ask people stuff that they want to talk about or don't want to talk about but stuff that you guys want to hear so i hope you guys enjoy it don't forget to subscribe i appreciate it